Hear God's Word, Hebrews 10, 19-25. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you give us grace Uh, through your word, and we pray that you'd be pleased uh, this evening, uh, as we have the privilege of uh, assembling together, uh, that you would uh, be with us to apply your word to our hearts, uh, so that as we draw near to you in faith, and as we hold fast the confession of our hope, and as we encourage one another uh, in love, uh, you will be pleased uh, to Uh, uh, not only uh, strike our hearts with these words and with these thoughts, uh, but carry us forward uh, in uh, the carrying out of your word, that uh, we might uh, not be, as we have often said, uh, simply doers or hearers of your word, but uh, doers of your word from the heart. And so bless us to this end, uh, we pray, in the good name of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. We just uh, sang from uh, Psalm 87, and uh, the uh, first part of the first stanza in uh, Psalm 87, selection A, uh, reads like this. The Lord's foundation has been set upon the holy hills. He loves the gates of Zion more than homes where Jacob dwells. He loves the gates of Zion more than homes where Jacob dwells? How could this be? Well, it can be because Zion in the Old Testament economy is a picture of the church. Zion is the place of the city of God. Zion is the place where the temple Uh, was built. Zion is the place where uh, God chose to dwell in a special way. 
uh, through His Shekinah glory, first of all, and by the power of His Holy Spirit. And this does not mean that uh, God does not uh, love uh, individual families, uh, that uh, God does not love individuals, uh, but it means that God uh, uh, places a special priority upon His church upon His gathered assembly. And as you understand this, and we are the church of the living God, and as we gather together, God places His special love upon us as we gather together. And again, this does not mean that He does not love us as individuals, and He does not love us as uh, families, uh, but uh, there's a, a special priority uh, that the great God of heaven places upon His church. And uh, He does so because uh, here as we're gathered together, even as our pastor prayed uh, this evening in the invocation, uh, we come together to meet with the living God and to meet with Him and to assemble with Him in faith. And we gather together and assemble to uh, uh, confess our hope together as a congregation. And we assemble together to encourage one another in love. And this is exactly where the text takes us. Uh, if you uh, think about uh, what the text says. This is exactly what the text uh, uh, tells us and exhorts us to do. That we are to assemble, you and I are to assemble to draw near to God in faith. To confess our hope and to encourage one another in love. Yes, the text uh, draws us to this point. And uh, the text bears down on this idea that we are to assemble uh, together. In uh, verse 25, the text speaks about, and God speaking to us through the text, uh, says to us that we are not to uh, be like those who forsake our own assembling together. Uh, there's an injunction here. There's a command here to assemble as God's people. And uh, the heart of this goes back to the Old Testament. In uh, Leviticus chapter 23, uh, Moses records the uh, various convocations that he requires of God's people. And uh, the very first convocation that uh, Moses requires and God requires through Moses is the gathering together on the Sabbath day. It's quite remarkable that this is the case. And how were the uh, people in the Old Testament economy to uh, follow through on this command? Well, it was the whole idea of the synagogue. And uh, when the people went into the land, the uh, Levites, uh, the Levitical priests, were sprinkled throughout the land like salt. And uh, they were to be teachers. And 
Uh, on the Sabbath day in various communities, the people would gather together and uh, they would be taught uh, by uh, their Levitical priests. And uh, these gatherings were uh, the synagogue. And it's quite striking that this word, uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, uh, is a word that's associated with the idea of the synagogue, the assembling of ourselves together. Uh, and of course, uh, the, the idea of assembling morning and evening is taken from the fact that in the temple, the sacrifices were carried out morning and evening. And on the Sabbath day, uh, they were doubled so that on uh, the seventh day of the week, uh, the sacrifices were twice as much as they were on morning and evening as they were on other days of the week. And all of this was carried over into the Christian church so that uh, the first Christians met uh, not on the seventh day, but on the first day uh, to commemorate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they called it the Lord's Day and they met morning and evening. Uh, they assembled together. And this is uh, one of the priorities of the great God of heaven, that we should do this. And uh, I would say to you folks uh, here this evening, uh, uh, preaching to the choir, as it were, uh, that uh, w one of the difficulties that we have in the Christian church uh, today is that uh, many congregations don't even have evening worship. It's too bad uh, that's not the, that that's the case, that they don't close out the Lord's Day with evening worship. And uh, those of us who do maintain the practice of evening worship, uh, by and large, our churches uh, have an attendance half as much or less than half as much as morning worship. We need to really pray, folks. <laughs> we need to really pray that God will build us up in this congregation in our evening worship. It's a great joy. And uh, as I've had the privilege of going to some other congregations in our denomination, it's a great joy to go to a congregation in the evening worship and see the uh, worship center or the auditorium or the sanctuary packed for an evening worship just as just the same way as it's packed for a morning worship. And so uh, my encouragement to you is, let's encourage uh, the uh, other folks in our congregation uh, to uh, gather together, to assemble uh, for not only morning worship, but to be here to enjoy the Lord for uh, evening worship also. And uh, let's remember that uh, you and I are to uh, enter into the presence of the Lord uh, by faith when we gather together for worship. Uh, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by uh, a new and living way, which He inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, through His flesh. The holy place that uh, verse 19 speaks of is actually the holy of holies. Now, uh, you might say, well, why doesn't the writer to the Hebrews say that? 
Well, he makes the distinction in verse 20 by speaking about the veil, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil. And the veil that he's speaking of here is the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place in the temple of God. And you notice the text says that we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. You remember, do you not, that when Christ was crucified, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. That God rent that veil and opened the way into the most holy place, into His throne room. And you and I have the privilege by the blood of Jesus Christ to enter into the very throne room of God and into the very presence of God. And as we assemble together as a congregation, we have the privilege of by faith entering into the vital, gracious, merciful presence of the living God into His very throne room. And in verse 20, he says, uh, it's a new and living way. Comparing uh, the Old Testament temple uh, with uh, the church, it's a new way. It's not the old way into the Holy of Holies, uh, which was opened by the blood of bulls and goats, but it's the new and living way through Jesus Christ. And it's a living way because Jesus Christ lives. He not only died on that cross, but He was raised again from the dead and He lives evermore. And so He leads us into the very presence of God. The text tells us, uh, by a new and living way which He inaugurated, which He opened up for us through the veil, that is, through His flesh, that is, uh, by His shedding of His blood and by the giving of His body, He opened up this new and living way. And this Jesus Christ is our great priest, as we assemble together and have the privilege of entering into the presence of the living God, it is our priest, Jesus Christ, who leads us. Verse 19, or verse 21. Uh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. Yes, we are the household of God. Uh, in uh, the book of Hebrews earlier, uh, the writer to the Hebrews compares Moses and Christ. Moses as the head of the household of Jews, of the household of the Hebrews. And Christ is over the household of all believers now, including the church, because He is the builder of the house. He is our great priest. And He is the one who leads us now into the presence of the great God of heaven, His Father. 
And as he does so, the Father receives us because Jesus Christ has paid the penalty due to each one of us for our sins. And Jesus Christ has clothed us with His righteousness. And Jesus Christ not only is our priest, but of course He's our prophet. And as our prophet, He speaks to us on behalf of the Father. He speaks to us from God. And so when we come together, Jesus Christ, our great priest, leads us into the presence of God and then He turns and He speaks to us through His Word on behalf of the Father to give us direction and to give us instruction. And so when we assemble uh, as God's people, we are to gather together and assemble in the presence of God by faith. Look at uh, verse 22. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Since since we have Jesus Christ who opened the new and living way, since Jesus Christ is our great prophet and priest, let us... See, this is the exhortation. Let us draw near in full assurance of faith. Now, it's striking, isn't it, that we don't always experience this full assurance of faith. We are to be firm in our faith, and we are to have this full assurance, but we don't always experience this. And in my own ministry, I've seen... Uh, that there are uh, many individuals uh, in the church who uh, uh, suffer from a lack of assurance of salvation. And uh, some uh, suffer from a a lack of assurance of faith. Well, the writer to the Hebrews in verse 22 helps us out in this matter. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Uh, To have this full assurance of faith, our consciences need to be sprinkled clean so that we don't have, as uh, the writer to the Hebrews uh, says, an evil conscience. Of course, an evil conscience would be just the opposite of a good conscience. And a good conscience would be uh, uh, that organ within uh, that uh, when you do something that's good says yes, and when you do something that's bad uh, says no. In other words, it says yes when God says yes, and it says no when God says no. 
But part of the problem is that God comes along and He says, My son died for you. And He shed His blood for you. And I love you. And then, in our hearts, there's a doubt. Well, can this actually be be the case? Can this actually be true? Can I actually believe this? Can I say yes when God says yes in this regard? And when there's a wavering, what do we need? We need our consciences cleansed, as the writer to the Hebrews says, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. And along with that, our bodies washed with pure water. In the Old Testament, the priests were required to wash their entire bodies before they put on their vestments to perform their services in the temple before God. And so this is the idea that you and I need clean consciences and we need to be washed with the water of the Holy Spirit to be prepared for our service before God in the world. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with clear water. And as we assemble together, we are not only to draw near uh, to God in faith, but we are to hold fast the confession of our hope. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. The great Christian hope is the resurrection of the dead. And in our congregation this week, as one of our families has lost a little one, the great hope is not only that the soul of this little one passes immediately into the presence of Jesus, but that when Jesus comes a second time in glory, He, along with others, will be raised from the dead. This is our hope. Hold fast. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And as we assemble together and as we gather together as God's people, we are to corporately confess our hope. You notice these injunctions that are given. Each one is, let us, let us, let us. Always in the plural. It's not only the individual is to confess their hope. Not only the individual is to draw near to God, but we as a congregation are to draw near to God. We as a congregation are to confess our hope. 
And uh, in in the bulletin, uh, do you have a bulletin? Does any of you have a bulletin? Uh, a, a few of you may. Uh, we discard them after morning worship. <laughs> uh, in the center of the bulletin uh, uh, is uh, the Apostles' Creed. And uh, I'd like us to confess together our faith. Uh, utilizing uh, the Apostles' Creed. And uh, uh, just an example of how we can do this. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Uh, let's confess uh, our hope and our faith together with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It's a wonderful thing, friends, to be in a, a, a much larger congregation. It's a wonderful thing to be in a congregation like this. But to be in a much larger congregation and to hear two or three hundred people stand and confess their faith together, and you can hear others confessing their hope and confessing their faith. And this is a deep encouragement to us when we hear one another confessing our faith and confessing our hope before God. And this is what the writer to the Hebrews is getting at when he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let there be a conviction in your heart and a conviction in my heart with regard to the resurrection from the dead and the life everlasting. And when that conviction is present and when we hold fast, when you hold fast to that confession of hope, it makes a big difference on how you live your life. And this is again what the writer to the Hebrews is after. And finally, as we assemble together, as you assemble together, we are to encourage one another in love and Good deeds. Verse 24. And let us, see, once again, and let us, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us assemble together and encourage one another in love and good deeds. We had a great example of this this morning given to us by our pastor. When our pastor 
uh, spoke from First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. And what did he do? He encouraged us in this whole matter of living a life of love before God and encouraged us in the importance of living that life of love. And do you, do you remember uh, one of the things that he did was that he rehearsed the Ten Commandments. Do you, do you remember that? He rehearsed the Ten Commandments. And why did he do that? He did that. I think this is why he did that. I, I didn't ask him. I, I may have to check on this. Uh, I didn't ask him, but I think this is why he did it. Uh, because the Bible says, in this is love that we keep his commandments. And if we understand the commandments from the heart and walk in those commandments, we express love. And we need to encourage one another in that. And uh, praise be to God, our pastor did just that uh, this morning uh, with us as a congregation. And he reminded us of the fact, not in these words uh, exactly, but he reminded us uh, of this fact uh, that uh, uh, you can't see the invisible God. Uh, And as John says, uh, no one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God is in our midst. And the invisible God becomes visible to a watching world as we love one another. How many individuals have come into this very auditorium, this very sanctuary, this very building, and have consciously experienced the love of the congregation and the love of God's people and recognized that there was something different here, that God is present. Praise be unto God that this is how it ought to be. And this is exactly what the writer to the Hebrews is exhorting us. He says, let us consider, let's think it through, how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, uh, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, One of the things that uh, I think is quite amazing uh, in the church of Jesus Christ is this, that words of encouragement and grace go a lot further than words of correction. In other words, grace within the confines of the church is much more effective in bringing encouragement than law being applied. Oh, sometimes law needs to be applied. But grace and encouragement can go so far. And it's a wonderful thing when we can leave the congregation 
from a morning service and an evening service and feel the encouragement of God's people and thus be better better prepared for the week that's ahead. And so, friends, let's assemble together as God's people. Assemble together to draw near to God in faith. To hold fast the confession of our hope. And to encourage one another in love. Uh, In a moment, we're going to sing from uh, Psalm Selection 122b. 122b. And uh, the selection begins this way. Now to the Lord's house let us go. Those words made me rejoice. To the Lord's house let us go. When I heard those words, I said, yes. I said, yes. And why would God's people resonate so affirmatively with the invitation to go to God's house and meet with God's people? Because here's the opportunity to draw near to the great God of heaven in faith. And here's the opportunity to hold fast our confession of hope. And here's the opportunity to be encouraged in the love of God. This is God's purpose for you and for me. And God has a priority on this to assemble to assemble on the Lord's Day. To assemble on the Lord's Day. To draw near to Him. To hold fast to our confession of hope. And to be encouraged in love for one another. Let's pray. Father, good to us You are, better than we deserve. And we thank You that this is the case. And we pray that uh, You'll be pleased to uh, bless us with an understanding of Your Word in uh, this way. That we are uh, required uh, to assemble together. But it's not just a uh, requirement that's laid upon us, uh, but there's a good purpose uh, to meet with You, to have fellowship with You, to... Uh, hear Your voice and to uh, speak to You. And we thank You that this is the case. And it's an opportunity for us as a congregation to uh, confess our hope uh, together as a body and to one another. And it's a good occasion for us to encourage one another in the love that You pour out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's given to us. So bless us to this end and work this Word into our hearts, we pray. In the good name of Jesus Christ the Lord, Amen.